morning. I, um, I need to say a few things before um, I preach this morning. Um, we, we had planned some while ago to, uh, to preach through the series, just something we felt it was from the Lord for us, uh, serving in the city. And uh, the passage of scripture that I was, uh, was going to talk through and, and focus on is, is Jeremiah chapter 29, and a very interesting passage of scripture. And probably about two weeks ago, just had started to spend time praying into this, have a sense of, of, of what the Lord was saying, and I found myself just getting, in a positive sense of the word, having a tremendous burden that this is meant to be a prophetic word for the church. Now, some of you might wonder what in the world is a prophetic word and what's different about preaching in a prophetic word. Well, I think a prophetic word is when God is alerting us to something that's a now word from Him. You're not going to find it new, but you're going to understand it's something we're meant to take note of for now. That's the sense that I have with this word this morning. I believe God's revelation of His Word, and I use that word revelation, when we receive a word from the Lord, it releases us to move forward. Often find we can get stuck. I know that happens to me. You can get stuck, as Alan was sharing, there might be even issues where you are fearful, whatever it is, and the thing that breaks that open is when God speaks. Because His Word activates us. His Word frees us. His word re-alerts us to the fact that's where you're meant to be moving. And so just that is a little bit of a, I guess, a, a precursor to what I'm going to say. Um, I, that is my sense is that there's, there's, there's a bit of a, a prophetic word that, from the Lord. Time is a little bit against me, so let me shorten what I'm going to say, but I'm going to still say what I want to say. And it's this. The sense that I'm having from God, and we'll read it in a minute, is that for a long time, we've been geared up to come to church. So a lot of what we do, a lot of the way we function, and a lot of the way that we think is about coming to. We even have got time set aside in our weekly program to come to. And there's nothing wrong with that, except... I think the church is meant to be a going to. My sense from the Lord this morning is that we need to start leaning a whole lot more into the going to bit than the coming to bit. That's, in a nutshell, what I want to talk about. You can go home now. For those who are interested in the details, I'm about to share that. But let me tell you about this... Um, this, this passage of scripture that I want to look at in, in Jeremiah chapter 29. It is, a, it is a letter that has been written to some of the leaders and some of the people from uh, Jerusalem and Judah who have been deported to Babylon. The Babylonians, that's what they would do. They would take people, they would conquer the city, and then they would take them and they would deport them to Babylon. And there was a reason behind that. They wanted people to, to kind of lose their identity, to be assimilated into 
the Babylonian culture. That's what they were happening, what they were hoping for uh, with some of these Jews that had been deported to Babylon. And you'll discover in this letter that comes from Jeremiah the prophet, which is the word of the Lord to the people, God is saying, I've got other ideas. I've got other plans. And what God says is this, and it's very simple. He says, you are not to want to come back to Jerusalem. I want you to settle in the city. I want you to raise your families in the city. I want you to get married. I want you to get involved in the social fabric of the city. And then I want you to pray for the peace and prosperity of the city. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisa, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, it's quite a mouthful that, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. This is what God says through the prophet and through the letter. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've called you, carried you into exile. That's interesting. I thought it was the Babylonians who carried them into exile. Have you noticed God says, I carried you into exile? In, who, which was it? Was it Babylon? Was it the Babylonian army that had conquered Israel and conquered Jerusalem and conquered Judah? Were they not? Surely they were the ones that carried them into exile. But God's saying, no, I carried you into exile. See, here's the point. I want to just make it as a comment. Sometimes there are things that are happening around us, social forces. There are things that are going on that end up in us being in the city. And you're saying, well, you know, I came as a result of that. And God's saying, no, no. I was involved in that. I was behind that. Some of you in the city for, for different reasons. Some of you wanted to escape out there. And so you came to Cape Town. Some of you are here because you fled from your country because of war and what was going on over there. And you came to, to South Africa and you came to Cape Town to settle here because you were fleeing away from what was going on in your country. And now you're here, and I want to say to you, God's got a purpose for you being here. You see, at the end of the day, we've got to realize, for the people of God, God has his hand on us. And it might seem as though there are other forces at work, but we need to hear what God is saying. 
verse 7. Also, do, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, proper, prospers you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Now listen to this next verse. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. In other words, there were prophets, there were diviners, there were spiritual influences that were simply repeating what was in people's hearts, what they wanted to hear. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. And as God speaks now through the prophet to the people who are in Babylon, his people, his first thing he calls for, he says, I want there to be an attitude adjustment to being in the city. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens. Know why God is saying that? Because not one of those Israelites wanted to be in that city. That's the last place they wanted to be. They wanted to get out of the city. They wanted to be as far away from Babylon as possible. They wanted to, to disengage from what was happening uh, in that city. Because fundamentally the Babylonians were their enemies. And God says, make this your home. Settle down, even though it's a pagan city. Even though it has strange beliefs. Even though people do a whole lot of things you don't like. Settle down in the city. You see, God's point is, I've got a bigger purpose. And let me add this. His bigger purpose wasn't only to refine them. That was part of it. But God had a bigger purpose. But in, in settling in the city, God reminds them, don't get assimilated into their culture. Don't lose your identity. Because you see, there are always two dangers that we're going to face Israel in being in Babylon. One is that they would be assimilated into the culture of Babylon and lose their identity. Or the other was they could get disengaged because they didn't want anything to do with a strange place, strange people with strange beliefs. Some of you read the book of Daniel. Do you remember Daniel was in exile in Babylon? Remember that? Do you remember what they tried to do to Daniel and his friends? They started off and they said, we're going to give you new names, Babylonian names. We're going to forget your old identity, forget who you were, forget that you were a worshiper of the Most High God. We're going to give you new names. We're going to change your names. We're going to assimilate you into our culture. You will become Babylonians. And now you will remember that scripture in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. That's what that means. I won't get assimilated into the culture even though I live there. I won't lose my identity even though I live in Babylon. I won't worship your gods. I won't compromise on my integrity. You know in the New Testament we're all exiles in a strange land. You know that's what a Christian is? We aren't at home yet. But we've got, God's got a purpose for us in being here. Did you remember what Peter has to say when he's, he's writing to the believers who've been scattered because of persecution? 
He says to God's elect strangers in the world scattered throughout, and he names the different places. And he goes on to say in chapter 2, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Let me just land this a little bit this morning. What do you think of being in this city? Are you living off the city? Or are you investing in the city? Do you, are you here just for your own purposes? I'll have my little home and I'll have my little place and I'll close the doors and I'll disengage myself from the city. Or are you saying as Christians, we're here for a reason in the city? Friends, who is influencing your attitude to the city? News 24, all the bad news going around, or God? I'm serious. You see, sometimes when I I have a conversation with some people, I feel like I want to pack my bags and run to somewhere very far away. That's the effect it has on me. Sometimes I'm sad to say it's when I listen to Christians. I want to pack my bags and run away. Because all that comes out is bad news, bad news. I'm so worried it's all going to fail. It's all going to... Friends, things are bad, but we're in the city for a reason. When are we going to get it? You see, if God can say to His people in a place like Babylon, pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city, friends, there's hope for any city. But God doesn't stop there. Sometimes I wish He had us. But He goes on to say, I want you to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Now, the one thing that you and I have got no clue to, and that is how offensive that was to say that to the exiles. The only place that they would pray for for the city to have peace and prosper was what? Jerusalem. He's got what God is saying, what you desired for your precious city of Jerusalem, I want you to pray that over the pagan city of Babylon. That makes sense. Well, I mean, after all, ask yourself the question, why in the world would you want to pray God's blessing and prosperity over this heathen, pagan, idol-worshipping nation? Or may I bring that home and ask you, why in the world would we want to do it here? And there's a twofold answer. The twofold answer is this. Number one, it is God's intention, and it's always been God's intention, that the nations of the world would be blessed through His people. You remember Genesis chapter 12? When God calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your family, and I want you to leave your land, and I want you to go where I'm showing you. And then God says to them, and all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. 
And the wonderful thing is we know today what God was saying, the nations of the world will be blessed through Messiah. And friends, they're still blessed through Messiah, but we're still the agents. You know that's why we pray for the city? Do you know that's why we pray for its leaders? You know that's why we pray for people to know God. The Bible says, pray for the city. Pray for those in authority. Go to the next slide, please, Elaine. I urge you, first of all, that requests and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and those in authority. Friends, who was ruling when Paul wrote that to Timothy? Rome. Need I say anymore? They crucified Christians. They put them on stakes. They set them alight for Nero's party. When the Rome was burned, Nero blamed the believers. And he sang, pray for those in authority. You get the picture? Why does he say that? Well, I think Corinthians helps us with that. If we go to that next, listen to this. We are Christ's ambassadors. You know what ambassador, ambassador is? Somebody from one country representing that country in another. They've got the passport. And as though God were making His appeal through us. That's the one reason. It's God's plan and intention. The other one is this. It's a very interesting one, of course. One that I understood for a long, long time. And I'll tell you why in a minute. When the city prospers, we will prosper. You know how I used to f figure out that, what that meant was? That let the city be blessed, let the economy improve, let things be better, let there be more job creation, then we can all be better off. Right? That's not what it means at all. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Pray for the city. For if it prospers... You know the word that's being used over there is the word shalom. Not the word prosperity that we've all got in mind. And I looked this up. I did some investigation. The word shalom in the Old Testament means to experience complete physical, social, psychological, and spiritual well-being. You know what we're supposed to be praying for. Not just the economy improves. The quality of life for people improves right through to knowing God. That's what we're praying for. Not that we can just be better off economically. Go to the next slide if you will. Know the next one. Another one? Oh, that's the end. Okay, you need to go backwards a bit. Somehow one math. Okay. Go back. You see who that is? Some of you, some of you have seen the thing. It's gone viral already. But I was very, very moved this week, as many of you are, when Judge Chief Justice Maheng Maheng, before he swore in the members of parliament, first time he's ever done it, he got down on his knees. By the way, that's the, that's the, the, the Speaker of the House. That's the chair they would sit in. And he knelt there. And he prayed for the leaders. And he prayed for the nation. 
before he swore in our leaders. Friends, I think that's a little bit of a picture that we have of what it means to pray for the shalom of the city. Let me read to you what our new president said, Cyril Ramaphosa, in his uh, presidential speech about what's happening there. He says, It's wonderful to have a chief justice who is not only a person deeply steeped in jury prudence, but also a person deeply steeped in matters of faith. Now let me make a comment about that. Judge Moheng Moheng, he does an excellent job in what he's called to do. Because he's done an excellent job, he has a platform from which to speak. Do you see our platform for speaking to the world is the excellent job we do in the marketplace? I'm very worried about believers who do a shoddy job and then we want to talk to you about Jesus. You lost your platform the day you did a shoddy job. That's what Daniel does. That's what Joseph does. They do an astounding job because they're serving the one above. And they say, whatever you give us to do, we'll do an excellent job. Come the time to speak and come the time to pray. They've got a platform. Christians have been praying leading up to the election. What? Some of you heard about that somewhere? Lots of people have been praying. And I think there's some great things happening, but we ain't won the war yet. <laughs> I believe now is the time to really get stuck in and start praying. There are many battles that still need to be won. Improving the economy, giving people better education, creating jobs, reducing crime are important, but more is needed than that. And the more comes when the church assumes its proper role in the city. Let me say, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are His agents of reconciliation. We are the people who are to prioritize praying for those in authority, we are to be salt and light. We are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Somehow, I seem to remember that being in the Bible somewhere. Friends, do you know that we, the Bible says, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places Surely that's a, there's a reason for that. And the reason isn't just that we would feel good this morning. It's because we have authority to be Christ's ambassadors in the city. God has given us His Spirit for a reason. And we are to pray for people in authority for a reason. We don't do it just to fill up some space. There's one last thing that I want to touch on this morning. You'll find it in verse, I think it's verse 8 and 9 now, of 
of this chapter 29 of Jeremiah. Listen to this. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Friends, I think God is making His people alert to the fact there will be people who will say exactly what their own hearts want to hear. See, deep down in all of our hearts, we may be saying, I want to run away. And you'll find prophets who will say to you, it's not God's will for you to be here. You're wasting your time. What's the point of Look at things just seem to go more and more south the more you pray. Friends, that's the voices of the false prophets. We don't need to hear the false prophets. We need to hear the word of the Lord. That's what we're here for first and foremost this morning. And if we're going to stay the course, we need to start listening to the right message. If we're going to stay the course, we have to keep exposing ourselves to what God is saying. If we're going to save, if we're going to go the course, we've got to have our minds renewed every day. I've shared this with you this morning for one reason only. And it's this. If the Lord has spoken to our hearts today, it will reposition us. If the Lord has spoken to our hearts today, it will put things back into perspective. If the Lord has spoken to us today, it will empower us. If the Lord has spoken to us today, the church will get on with its job in the city. Strangely enough, and I said to the Lord, so what are we going to do this morning? at the end of the sermon, because I like to know what the Lord wants to do. This is my sense, and I want to share it with you. My sense for today is we need to commission the church again. We need to set the church apart again. We need to set ourselves aside again and say, God, we are setting ourselves aside for the task to which you have called us. We want to pray for the prosperity and the peace of the city. We want to make Jesus known. We want to be your agents of change, but we can't just, in the light of the crisis, back down, disengage and isolate ourselves. Friends, that's not what we're here for. I'm going to ask Debbie. Yeah, I saw you there, Sam. Debbie, come downstairs. Debbie has just been, uh, many of you will know, Debbie Schaefer has just been reappointed as the Minister of Education in the Western Cape. We are going to pray for her because she's one of the people in authority in the city. We're going to do that this morning. And then I'm going to pray for all of us. If the word of the Lord has been received this morning, then I'm going to invite you to respond prophetically. So you know what it says about any words of prophecy? Test it. If you don't agree with it, turf it. But if you do, respond to it. So if you felt the Lord has spoken to you this morning, we're going to do something about that. We're going to stand before the Lord. We're going to surrender ourselves. We're going to say, God, empower the church. We're going to say, God, release your church again. Debbie, come up here. This is Debbie, if you don't know. So I need some of you to come and lay hands on Debbie. Come out of your seats. I will pray but let's come and lay our hands on her this morning and what we are trusting God for 
I, I phoned Debbie after I heard that she got reappointed. I said, are you really up for this? Because I 